Hello and welcome to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're a startup church we just planted in September 2020. And at the Kalamazoo Church, we believe that Christianity is done best when it is done together. And so if you live in the Kalamazoo area, we would love to connect. Be it coming to a Sunday service, one of our small groups, or even just grabbing coffee with a member to learn more. You can visit kalamazoo.church in order to do that. We pray that you are inspired by what you hear today. Yeah, awesome. We'll, we'll dig in here. We can, you, you guys can open up to Luke 11. We'll be there pretty soon. I, we're we're kind of closing on this series that we've spent the last four months on, on selflessness and just the importance of being those who are selfless people. I think throughout all of this, we've probably in, in one way, shape or form, as I look back, we've kind of buried the lead as the main, the, the main way that we can live out this selfless uh, behavior and activity. And, and that's the idea of prayer. And this is what we're going to talk about today. And we're, we're going to talk about specifically persistence in prayer. Think about the idea of people who are persistent, and it's something that we love, as perhaps as Americans, but I would put before you as people, we love stories of those who are persistent. Nobody really likes a story of somebody who's the, the favored person who remains the favorite and ends up winning by a blowout. That's, that's not interesting. It's not something you write about, or that person who is so naturally inclined in in this type of art or this music and just without any struggles at all was able to make works of art that are worth millions and you, you kind of know, I, there's, there's actually not too many of those people. I don't know if I know any. I know many more stories of people who were not naturally gifted or had some natural inclination that has have worked and worked and worked. We love that. We love people who persist. We, we tell stories of that. And as I was just uh, thinking of somebody in particular, uh, I, I think about somebody, I think about Abraham Lincoln. So there's, perhaps you guys know these, this is just one anecdote, but it just says Lincoln was defeated when he ran for the Illinois House of Representatives in 1832. He was defeated when he ran for the U.S. House of Representatives in 1843. He was defeated for the Senate in 1855. He was defeated for vice president in 1856, he was defeated for the Senate again in 1858. Finally, in 1860, Lincoln was elected president. And we, we understand that, at least according to historians, many, if not most, will consider Abraham Lincoln to be the, the most successful or the best U.S. president ever. But what is life? It was stories of persistence, that it wasn't easy. It didn't always come natural. And yet, step by step, he got better and better. And, and he, he achieved at least this office that so many people hold in such high esteem. We love persistence. Rather, we, we love to tell stories of it, but 
But so often, if you're anything like me, we don't love to be those who are persistent. We like looking at people and admiring their work ethic and saying they are persistent. But inside of us, the, the idea that we have to be persistent is one that we shy away from. In our relationships with God, I would put before you that we shy away naturally from this call to persist. For those of us, we're in a small church. In a big church, it might be a little bit different. I've seen it to be a little bit different. In a small church, if, if I were to say, what are the responsibilities you have? Maybe you'd say not much. But then as you started to think, you'd probably be able to say, well, I meet with this group regularly. I, I do this regularly. On top of all of that, I have my personal relationship with God. I'm studying the Bible with this person. I'm doing my personal Bible study. And I, I'm, I'm having this person over for dinner. I'm having that person over for lunch. I'm meeting with this person to talk about finances. And you could go down the list. But, but if I had to ask, if, if, if I had to say that the call is to persist, the next question you might have, and I think would be a good one, is in what aspect? As we, as we close out our whole four-month focus I, I, and really lead into... A, a new focus, I, I really want to talk about the idea of persisting in our prayer lives. Of all of the areas of our lives, our prayer lives need to be those that can be defined as persistent. Before we get too deep, I do want to share that I feel very challenged by this lesson, mostly I feel challenged by the Bible and the call that, that Jesus makes for us to be those who are great at calling out to him. My, my first point this morning is shameless audacity. We're in Luke 11, verse 5. It says, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I think we've, we've looked at this scripture. I think even just since we've been here, we've looked at this scripture a couple of times. But there's, there's such a, an interesting call that Jesus just makes. This friend at midnight would come. And so what this would have been is that you would have woken up the whole house by coming and asking for loaves of bread. This, this, and the reason is, it really, this is this person saying, I don't want to be seen as an embarrassment to my friend coming in, so I'm willing to put all of the pressure on you to give me bread. Now, I, I feel it. We've been in a, we've been able to travel. So we were in Chicago this last week, and now we're in St. Louis visiting Ronnie. But we were in Chicago for some meetings, at church leaders meetings. And, and now we're, we're in St. Louis. We've been staying in hotels. And I'll say honestly that you, you don't realize how quiet or how, rather how loud you actually are 
until you're in a hotel with a sleeping baby. And you're like, man, everything I do is exaggerated. You don't realize how, how actually how loud it is to shut a hotel door. Even the click of the lock when, when the, the bolt goes out, it makes a loud noise. And you're like, dude, this is way too loud. But I, I felt it this whole week feeling like, man, I have to be extremely quiet. Everything I do, it I have to be calculated and intentional. And But that's this person knocking. You know, certainly if somebody knocks on my hotel room door at midnight and says, yo, you got any food in your fridge? I'm like, dude, get out of, now my baby's awake, things are stirring. And this would have been the same kind of situation over here. It truly was this, this outrageous claim. But it says that, that, not in the name of friendship, but just in the name of get out of my face, because of his shameless audacity, this word's only used once in the New Testament. It, it, the, word, the word audacious is, 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 is bold to the point of embarrassment, essentially. So that, that there's just this boldness, but it's almost embarrassing. And I was, I was really considering this as, as we think about our, our prayer lives or making this huge, enormous ask is that you cannot be self-conscious and shameless at the same time. There's no way you can be self-conscious and shameless at the same time. You cannot be worrying about what this person or that person thinks of you and also be shameless, not care, not care. You, you can't do both. And maybe you can say for yourself is different. I know for myself so often that when I, when I consider being shameless towards God, my self-consciousness takes over, my lack of faith can take over and say, I, when I'm, I, I was praying for something big and I, you know, I don't know if it can happen. I was praying this in my head. This could make so much sense. And then I say it out loud and maybe I'm praying with somebody and I, I mute the prayer a little bit. Instead of, I remember praying in, in my, my freshman year of college or my beginning of my sophomore year. I just pray, God, I pray that I will be personally fruitful, that there will be eight people that become Christians because, because I reach out to them in my time in college. I remember the person, they got done praying, they said, wow, that's a really, it's a really impressive, crazy prayer. It's a lot. And to my shame, my self-consciousness got in the way. I don't, I don't remember I prayed, if I prayed that prayer with anybody present uh, ever again. This, this parable is talking to us about how we ought to come to God, that we, we ought to come with this nakedness, this shameless audacity that says, this is what I want, God. I would ask you, when was the last time you asked something audacious of God? When was the last time you asked something of God that you felt like he might not be able to answer this one? Not even, my faith, this prayer stretches my faith.
you know, there's probably, there's certainly stories that, that you would have, I would bet. Maybe there's stories of when you were first starting to study the Bible and get deeper with God that you go to right away. And same with me. But that's, that's a bit of an indictment on us, isn't it? Because if, if we were to ask any of the prophets, if we were to ask certainly those who, who were walking with Jesus, when was the last time you asked something audacious of God? They would say yesterday or this morning. For you and I, if we are going to be those who are selfless, and we're taking the focus off of us, asking something audacious and saying, the focus can't be on me. I'm not able to do it. God, you have to move. Second point, final point, found you guys can flip over just a little bit to Luke 18. Luke 18 is another parable. It's, it's a bit of a parallel parable. It's not, it's not exactly parallel, but there, there's, there's similar, it's a similar narrative, I would say that. Luke 18 in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? first point was shameless audacity. My next point is keep coming. You think if we're, think about being those who ask for amazing big things and then, and that's all well and good. And, but there's a second component and that's, that's this one. It, certainly we understand this unjust judge is not a communication of how God acts. In fact, God is so just that, and he's just saying, even on the lowest of levels, for the worst of people, those who don't care about God and don't care about how they're viewed according to others, even they will, will show justice. Saying, if, if the worst of the worst are going to show justice, how much more am I going to show justice? Who cry, He says, cry out to him day and night. So this is a communication of the heart that we ought to have as we, as we go to God. And so it's not just about asking God something crazy one time. It's this continual consistence in prayer. So powerful that there's this connection that's made. So the, the, the scripture for this week is Luke 18, 8. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly 
However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? There's this connection between faith and the consistency in which we pray. Sit with that for a minute. If there was just a gauge of, if someone had to ask, are you faithful? Many would say, yes, I am faithful. I'm a faithful Christian. And if the follow-up was, well, the same answer to this question then ought to be, do you consistently pray? And I know that I've heard it and you've heard it and, and, and certainly we're not talking necessarily about just the amount of minutes spent. That's not necessarily what we're talking about, but it's a measure. It's a gauge. I know when I measure something, it's in an effort to get better. In, in athletics or anything, you, you measure so you can, you can get better. There's this saying for this athletic training company that if you can measure it, you can improve it. So the same in, in so many ways is true in, in the way that we pray. The time that we spend praying. We can measure it. If we measure it, we can improve it. I've told this story more than a few times. And so I, I know that Bianca's heard it 12 over that times. And, and maybe you guys have already heard it once, but I remember the first time that I decided I was going to measure the amount of time I prayed. Went up on the, the 12th floor was the study floor of the engineering school that I went to. And I Walked up, I was on the fifth floor, went to the 12th floor. I didn't walk, excuse me. I took the elevator, but it was in the morning. And I said, I'm gonna, somebody gave a lesson on prayer the, the day before and I was not very spiritual, but I said, I'm going to measure how much I pray. I wonder how much it is. How much can I pray? And I set the timer, put it on airplane mode, I press start. And I just started praying and I was talking to God and it was, it was powerful. It was me and him and there was nobody else there. And so I'm even saying words out loud. And then I, I remember that, man, I, I prayed, I'm thinking, man, I just prayed for this half an hour of time. This was a solid block. This is what true prayer is like. And I said, amen. And I looked at my clock and there was 7.48 I had prayed. Seven minutes and 48 seconds. Felt like forever. That's, that's also when I learned, one, you can measure it to improve it. I said, amen, and, and called it a day. Two, there's a, there's a difficulty with prayer. If prayer was easy, we would just do it. You know, there, there's some, a couple of theologians that I was uh, reading some of their commentaries on just the concept of prayer, certainly, but then even this scripture. And the communication was the devil knows how powerful prayer is. That's the reason why it's hard. The devil knows that prayer has the ability to call on angels to fight. And that's why it's very difficult. If it was something that was easy, then it would, it would just happen. If it was something that rather didn't have power, then the devil wouldn't have to compete against it. That's fine. It's all good. And yet because of the power of prayer, that is why it, it, it is quite difficult. There's this, this scripture, and then we'll actually close up here uh, pretty soon. There's a scripture, it's, it's Colossians 4, you, you don't necessarily have to turn there. Just in verse 12, it identifies this, this one character. It says, Epiphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is 
always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. This guy, it says that he's wrestling in prayer. You think about persistence and it is something that that is difficult. I don't have to persist in eating ice cream. I don't have to persist in playing basketball. I don't have to persist. Sometimes I have to persist in golfing because it's so difficult and I'm so bad at it. But hear me now, after I get done with the round, I don't have to persist in it. I want to go again. Prayer is not that. It is something that we ought to persist in. Family, I, I want to draw a magnifying glass this morning to our prayer lives. And I, I think as we as we continue in this next series, looking at the book of Acts, I think there's going to be a magnifying glass that stays pretty firmly on our prayer lives. And it's difficult and it's selfless to say, I am not in control, that my time is so much better spent calling out to God than it is doing any of the tasks and activities that being in a small church or being part of a group where there's energy going and and me calling out to God is worth more than all of that. Our prayer lives ought to be characterized by asking for very, very big things audaciously and then asking and asking and asking. I want to leave you guys with one challenge this week. That challenge is that I, I want to challenge you all to record the amount of time you spend praying this week. To actually make a record of it. And it, it can be in the car. It could be doing different different tasks. But, but to specifically, if you can make some time, go ahead and record. Just record it. I'm not asking you to to raise it to 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day. That's not what I'm asking yet. Let's just record it and see what what happens. And I think if we can record it, we can improve it. And not that one minute of prayer is worth one minute. That's not necessarily what I'm saying, but I do know that the times in which I focused on on prayer, it, it has changed me from the inside out. The idea of calling and calling and calling on God has changed me and God, God knows, God's like, I'm going to answer this prayer. But it's, it's changed me in a way that would have not happened otherwise had I not called out to God with, with urgency. So that, that is the, the lesson this morning, guys. We think about persistence in prayer. Certainly, it, it was so cool to hear Dr. Bill Molden's thoughts about the cross and about the stuff that he's learning. We, uh, we love you guys so much. I love you guys so much. Looking forward to seeing you guys on Wednesday as we really dig into to just calling out to God and being with one, excuse me, with one another. Amen. Why don't we close with a prayer and then uh, then then we'll end. If you would please bow as we as we close here. God, we need you, Lord. We need you to be in our lives. We need to see you move. God, we're asking for you to do incredible things. Lord, we ask that you do incredible things in our hearts. Lord, we ask that even as we look back from a, a, at the one year uh, anniversary of the, the planting, God, we ask that the, 
the church is doubled. Lord, we ask that, that we'll be able to, to glory in, in you. Lord, we'll be able to look back even in five years and see that every year the church has doubled. Lord, we want you to, uh, to, to break the chains of, of impurity in our lives. Lord, we want you to break the chains of selfishness in our lives. Lord, we want you to break the chains of, of criticalness and a critical spirit in our lives, God. And we want you to do it quickly. Lord, we want to be used for what you want us to, for, for your purposes, God. We know that that stuff just hinders us. Lord, we want you to continue to send us open hearts. Lord, we want open hearts to be uh, converted into and, and to know uh, the, the truth, God. Lord, we're so grateful to, to be able to worship you this morning. God, please view this time as, as a worthy sacrifice to you. Lord, we love you. This is in Jesus's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. If you're in the Kalamazoo area, we'd love to get connected. Please go to kalamazoo.church and fill in your information to come to a Sunday service or any other event that we have going on. In any case, you'll be hearing from us next week. Save my souls.